Hello, hello. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and this is another episode of Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. This week, we have Tucker Rule on the show, drummer for the band Thursday. He's breaking down the top five moments that shaped his drumming style. Not only is Tucker a rhythmic powerhouse, but he's quite possibly the nicest guy in the world. Sorry to ouch there, Tucker. We had a really fun conversation that went well beyond his influences, including lessons learned from working with Dave Elich, we've both done that, perspectives on practicing, and how each of us deal with the frustrations, yet needed patience of always wanting to become better players. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe or follow the show on whatever app or platform you're on right now. So, thanks. Does that mean you're completely self-taught? Well, it's interesting. I, I, I only took one lesson, and that was, I believe, last year, and that was with Dave Elich. Okay. I've taken a lesson with him as well. I wanted to, like, I, I always said, if I'm going to do a lesson, it's got to be with the Grandmaster. Sure. And so I chose the Grandmaster. What were his main things that he, you know, shook his head about you? Well, with Dave, it, it's very interesting. Like, he knows so much about, like, body mechanics. Yeah that uh you know he was just like oh dude your posture and i was like i know and he's like you're burying the beater and i'm like i know so it, <laughs> it was a bunch of like you know I, i'm i'm and i knew this i think subconsciously like i am in my own way a lot of the time me while too. playing drums and he you know he pointed that out to me and and you know he says like keep doing what you're doing but this is just a suggestion you know yeah kind of kind of deal and that and but but ever since he's like showed me what I'm doing, like I'm very conscious of it when I sit down to practice. So even if I'm not like actually like keeping the good posture and keeping the loose arms and all that stuff, like I'm thinking about it. So I zap into it. You know, I can I can zap in and out of it. Yeah, I think the thing I took away from him because I was like maybe two years ago, it was my my left my left leg. It was just always just like pushing down as hard as I possibly could. And yeah, I have yeah. One of my favorite hi hats are uh, they're these Istanbul Agop 30th anniversary like 15 inch. They're like $600 hi hats, and I'm like the way I'm playing them are making them sound like they're those like you know Pearl CB whatever like $30 yeah, yeah. ones. Um, Trash can lids. Exactly, yeah. Which I mean that's a vibe, but uh, yeah. This <laughs> even though I still bury the beater um, and and all that stuff for the most part, I'm just 10 times more relaxed. That and and that's I think that's like amazing. You know what I mean? Just to be able to like get through a show or get through something without like totally injuring your body. <laughs> yeah, because and I don't mean any any disrespect to Dave, because I think that he again, what he taught me has changed my drumming for the better. But I do struggle with it sometimes because even one of your guests that we'll talk about later, Nate Smith, I mean, he buries the beater so much. So does all these guys that I look up to. And I'm like, OK, so I have to take a little bit of it with like you still have to do your own thing. But the yeah. ideas that he gives are kind of, you know, obviously very universal. Yeah, he's but. planting the seed and it's, you know, some some trees grow a little crooked, you know? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what was that one Cleveland Christmas tree or something? I think it was Cleveland. Um, oh, it was yeah, all over the news. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my tree after walking out of a Dave Elich practice. <laughs> hey, and you know what? My tree is the same as your tree, so... <laughs> <laughs> Are you cognizant of technique while you're playing, or is that kind of a walk on stage, do my thing, then I'll think about it later? Um, well, it's a little bit of both. Um, I mean, as far as like being aware of it, like I, I've always, and this this might sound wrong, but if it's like if I'm not hitting the center of the drum, I've got to fix it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, and if it hurts, don't do that. You know, so it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like if if I'm like halfway through a an hour and twenty minute set and I'm like getting tired, it's like obviously I'm squeezing something too hard and I need to loosen up. And mm -hmm. you know, if my hands are bleeding, I'm like, you know, I think about that after the show. I'm like, all right, just try to loosen up. And that's a lot of the reason why I started videotaping myself a bunch while playing, so I can actually go back and look at at you know what's working, even even like just playing wise, not even technique wise, but like. 
am I adding this fill here that that really needs to be here? Like, does it is it musical? Is it even working? Am I even executing it correctly? So I, I you know, to answer your question, yes, I am thinking about technique, but a lot of that goes out the window when you're like when your hair is standing up and you're just so psyched to play, like, you know, the breakdown's coming and you're just like, I'm going to hit this as hard as I possibly can. Sure. For no apparent reason at all. Yeah. That's simple. It's <laughs> like, we should take a few more lessons with Dave, but I get it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> the first few, few shows I did after, after, uh, you know, going with Dave, I had no calluses and it was like, this is the first time at the beginning of a tour, like on day four, I don't, I'm not just covered in calluses. Yeah. Um, so that was, again, just, you know, loosening up. Dave's, Dave's the man. We love Dave. He's the man. And I honestly, I just, I just, uh, I didn't tell my wife this, but she's sitting right next to me. So she's going to know now. I bought nice. the course. Oh, okay. The online course. So I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into that very shortly over the holidays and winter and stuff such. So your wife does feel better. I think it's severely discounted right now. So I think we're all good. It is. <laughs> okay. I got the Black Friday. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> all right so the first the first of your uh big fat five and i'm not sure if you gave them to me in any particular order if you did uh then this is the first uh but it's aaron spears doing the usher caught up i'm not sure if it's a one of the specific fills or if it's just him in general doing that i, I mean to be honest with you it's the whole entire thing yeah but there are like definitely some specific fills in there that i i just was blown away by just how many notes you can fit into a section but still make it you know yeah sound musical you know and that's the whole thing everything he played in there like it's very musical mm -hmm. you know and and also thinking about it in, a, in another way like imagine the pressure of being up there not with a band just by yourself and like just crushing it like that i, I was just blown away by it Yeah, he's one of those guys that I know he's he's lumped. He, I mean, he's kind of the top of the tier of when you say gospel chops and linear drumming and going crazy. But I do agree with you. He's kind of a little bit on his own little end of he's the most musical of those players. For sure. You know? And that's kind of what opened the door, uh, you know, to go, go down the rabbit hole of gospel chops for me personally was mm -hmm. seeing that video and being like, oh, OK, let me let me just try to explore some of this stuff. You know, because, you know, I feel like everybody's bodies work differently you know what i mean like there are some things like that that i can do that other people can't that other people can do that you know that i can't you know mm -hmm. so it's 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 taking little bits of that you know intro to gospel chops for me and like trying to apply it to the stuff that i do so yeah that's what got me so psyched on that video do you do a lot of linear stuff when you're playing I do it a lot when I'm practicing by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I call them a lot. Uh, you know, and I, I think I got this from Guy Licata, but uh, you know, unemployable fills. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like just you know throwing stuff in that I I would never do in a live show or a recording, but just stuff that I have to prove to myself that I can do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I can like try to keep up with all the ripping drummers that I know. I know I I, I struggle with that when I'm in the practice space because I'll spend like an hour working on some insert a whatever linear fill and then i'm like dude i'm never going to use this in any of my gigs why don't i just practice an hour of you know a boom tat boom tat and make that sound good but then you know well, it's think like about this. gotta have fun yeah you gotta have fun also like the next time you go to nam you know and you <laughs> yeah. have to sit behind the kit you gotta you gotta bust that thing out it's funny you say that though because with because uh, me and chris are at the big fat snare drum booth and honestly we probably saw 5,000 drummers sit behind that kit during that four-day thing. And the guys that come down and just, like, tap the snare once and then just do, like, a James Gadsden, like, you know, groove, that's when everyone around stops and just does the stanky face. And oh, then absolutely. It's, and then it's the guys that go around that, okay, I've learned this linear chop in my, you know, in my basement. It's just like, okay, that's the... <laughs> You're yeah. great, but I can tell you've said no to a lot of party invites to learn that, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I know what you yeah. mean. I, obviously, I know what you mean, so. But, I, but, you know, and, and it's funny, like, you know, going to NAMM, I've gone a couple of years, and, and there's, I, I don't think I touched one single drumstick every time I went. Dude, it makes me think of this, this, sorry to go off on a tangent real fast, but uh, many do. years ago, 
I was, uh, I believe I was at Pukelpop Fest in Belgium and them Crooked Vultures were playing. And I was hanging out with a bunch of friends and they were like, who knew Dave Grohl. And they were like, oh, come on, come over and meet him. And I had like practice sticks in my hand. Yeah. And I was like, hey, dude, nice to meet you. He's like, oh, you're a drummer, huh? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's because I'm holding sticks. Shit. And I felt <laughs> like an idiot. But like going back to the NAMM thing, it's like, oh, everybody knows you play drums because you're in the drum section. So Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? You don't need to do that linear fill every every single time, you know. All right. Well, so yeah. So I was gonna. Uh, Aaron Spears, uh, the caught up video. Ben Barter actually brought that up too. So it's fun because you guys, you guys are, are very different players, and and it's fun to see two drastically different players pick the same thing. And it's funny. I would say it it made more sense for for yours to be an Aaron pick as opposed to Ben because he's more of a just a groove player, softer player. Dude, it's like it was like it's like sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, he's like, like, he's the pro, you know what I mean? Like, he's like dunking on the drum kit. Yeah. And the, the, the video that I think a lot of people refer to for the YouTube video where it like slows down 50 and 25% is that like Radio City Music Hall. And at the end of the video, his hi-hat, like, like the, the, the legs like break they don't break they just loosen up and so it's like going out and he's like still doing his crazy fills but he's like looking over the tech like someone needs to help me because i'm like propping it up with my left knee and yeah. uh it just adds another element to like oh you're the shit you're the shit yeah absolutely man it's just it's unreal yeah um all right so next the next one is alan cage i'm reading what you wrote me so alan cage on quickstand records slip and manic compression and I have yeah. to say real quick, I must be living under a rock because I have never listened to Quicksand. Um, oh, man. I know. Well, I have now since we've talked or since you sent this to me, but maybe it's because I just didn't grow up in the New York hardcore scene. Uh, I'm assuming that's kind of, you know, a big part of their early demographic. But anyways, yeah, continue. I'm not, yeah. I'm not even like disappointed at you. I'm psyched <laughs> for you because you yeah. get to listen to it for like the first time. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I saw Quicksand, specifically this song called Phaser, which is on Slip, on MTV's 120 Minutes back in, like, I don't oh, know, yeah. the 90s. And yeah. I was just, like, and I was, like, a hardcore kid, so I was listening to a lot of, like, music and punk stuff. And this was the first thing that I was like, wow, it's, like, heavy, like a hardcore breakdown. But it's, like, a breakdown the whole entire time. And, mm -hmm. like, this dude can sing like crazy. The drums sound sick. And that was like, I, I, I remember just being blown away and like specifically the drums. It was just like such a good feel. And like, yeah, I just I love Alan Cage. And I noticed um, one, one of the Thursday songs, Standing on the Edge of Summer, the song is in 4-4, but the chorus kind of goes to a more 6-8 feel. And I know that this is specifically uh, Die Alone off Slip. He kind of does a similar thing, but it's just like implied 6-8. But it's still in six four kind of thing, and is that is that? I'm not the biggest hardcore fan. Uh, I guess I'm not super knowledgeable on it. Is that kind of going back and forth between time signatures a pretty standard thing for that kind of genre? I think so. I mean, I, you know, yes, I, I would say yes because it's you know a lot of it was you know played by people who were young. You know what I mean? Like when I when I started listening to hardcore and going to see bands like these kids were like you know 17 18 years old on stage you know what mm -hmm. i mean so it was like watching people just kind of muscle through stuff was like a huge a huge influence on me it's like fitting like these crazy things into a you know fitting two parts that don't belong together fitting them together smoothly Since you said that you kind of became a drummer by by happenstance, what what part of your journey was Alan Cage introduced to you? Very early on, I, I started playing when I was eighteen, um, and I had seen, I believe, that Quicksand video. Maybe I don't know when I was sixteen or seventeen. And I was just super pumped on it, and I I never wanted to play drums. Like I, I, my mom always offered to to get me lessons when I was a kid, like that and like karate, and I never did either one. And I wish I I did both. Yeah. Um, but when I started playing, 
you know, I was very inf- like the hardcore, the fast hardcore beat, you know, once you learn it, it gets kind of old really quick, you know, and you realize that like the subtleties of slower, more rhythmic, you know, grooves are so much fun to play. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like where Alan and, and a person like Abe Cunningham kind of like really influenced me as far as like, wow, live in the groove like that is where it's at. Like, that's the sweet spot. 100 percent. Yeah, we can actually move on to number three, which is uh, Abe Cunningham, uh, specifically hearing Deftones White Pony for the first time. Yeah, I was a fan of Deftones prior. You know, I was thought that they were they were awesome. But like White Pony, just I, I don't know what it is about that record. It's and still today I could put it on and be just as psyched as I was when I when I first heard it. Yeah, the drums on that record are top five. Dude, right? Sound-wise, sonically, I don't know where they recorded that, uh, but that, I mean, they're they're perfect. <laughs> they're perfect. Like, going back to living in the groove, it's just like you're in it. And even all the, the uh, you know, the kind of choppy stuff that he does still has feel, still has swagger. And it, that just, that band is, they just rip. And live they rip, on record they rip. It's just, and Abe is so fun to watch. Yeah. And I know it's not on this this record, but that it's it's the opening track off the record right before this. Putat, oh, just yeah. the simplest little intro, but it's perfect. Um, and, yeah, it's iconic. You know what I mean? It's like everybody when you sit down to sound check. You know, there's a lot of drummers that play that exact beat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People uh, who you wouldn't even think. You know, everybody appreciates Abe. Uh, and well, there, there's a little bit of a tie-in to um, Quicksand. Is like, didn't when the when the bass player for Deftones passed away, didn't one of the I think it was the bass player for Quicksand started yes. playing with Deftones, right? Okay. Yeah, Sergio Vega. Um, yeah, plays with both Quicksand and Deftones now. Okay. And it's funny, uh, you know, we Thursday did a tour with Deftones uh, a bunch of years back. It was thrice Thursday Deftones. Really fun time, really rad tour. That's Everybody a great was, bill, yeah. Yeah, we, we were just super pumped, and every night was awesome. And Chi uh, was actually on that tour. Mm. Uh, so I don't know, I can't remember what year it was. Um, but yeah, it was it was really special to be able to play and, and you know, watch watch Chi every night sure. with that band. Um but then again, you know, Sergio is, is such a rad dude. And he, he's come from a lot of hardcore bands from, you know, from from the East Coast. Uh, like, so it's it's being able to watch him play with Deftones is sick. And then, you know, watching him with Quicksand is sick as well. So it's like he's got two pretty cool fucking bands right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, good for him, damn it. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, yeah, Deftones, the White Pony, that song RX Queen, I could never figure out what the hell he was because in my head it's it's a hi hat the ucha ucha daka, but it's not a hi hat he's hitting. Do you know? I mean, seeing him live, do you know what he's hitting on that kind of offbeat and then it goes to the downbeat? I have the, no idea because I've never seen them play that song live. Oh, okay. but it's such a rad song. Well, that beat especially, uh, I've it's it's been ri- I don't want to say ripped off, but I'll say ripped off. Whatever. Um, Thirty seconds to Mars is the song from yesterday. Uh, completely rips off that intro beat. It's basically the exact same thing. Okay. And uh, <laughs> and then Burn the Witch from Radiohead, which is on their most recent record, um, from a, a moon-shaped pool, does that kind of thing too. And I know for a fact they pulled from that song because it's it's the coolest beat in the world. The intro to, the, to White Pony too. Like that, that, the intro track to White Pony just kills me every time too. It's just, What's there's that so many called? tasty things on it. I forget. Um I know what you mean. That's, it's one of those records where it's just like you, you play the whole thing. So it's not like, oh, it's this one song. Um, all right, White Pony. Yeah. Back to School, Mini Maggot. Mini, is that the first song? It's Back to School in, in parentheses, Mini Maggot. I don't think that's the one. That might be like the deluxe edition, I feel. Maybe. Okay. Maybe it is. I can't remember. But my, <laughs> my favorite song on that record is Change in the House of Flies. I've heard that there is a, I don't know if it's White Pony or not, but 
one time when they were recording the the producer like made him tilt his his snare drum like 45 degrees because all he was doing is rim shots like he couldn't avoid it but that's that's like my playing too i try my hardest to i mean i'm kind of going through this this kind of reformation of my playing and playing the more motown stuff and trying to be a more um softer player like a jory warrenker kind of vibe yeah 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 and the second my brain goes into autopilot it's just rim shot rim shot rim shot no matter what same, the hell i do dude. same and i find that the rim shots really make the drum the snare drum ring in a way that i don't like exactly lately. but then again like i that's that's the way i play you know and i you know it's got me this far, I guess. Well, that's like, that's what I'm saying too. Is like, is I've I've also gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, well, what I'm doing is kind of on lock. It is paying the bills, but do I want to be 50 playing like this? You know, and so I'm trying to like. And the answer might be yes. The answer might be like, just keep doing what you're doing. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the one takeaway I've made from this quarantine is like, if I have the ability to pivot, would I want to? And kind of exploring, yeah. just kind of exploring like a very drastically different playing style well the fact that you're still searching says a lot to how much you care about your craft you know what i yeah. mean like you know you do what you do live you know what i mean or you know with the bands that you play with but at the same time it's like you're still searching for something that might never even get seen which mm -hmm. is really you know is a testament to how much you love the instrument yeah i've just been super um uninspired lately with a lot of my playing because it's just the st i mean it's just autopilot stuff that I've been doing instinctually since I was, you know, a kid. And it's finally to the point where being uncomfortable and, 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 uh, yeah, not feeling like yourself is, is really refreshing. Absolutely. And th that's funny that you say that because that is exactly what I love about, you know, the indie drummer collective mm. is that like you choose, you know, every week is a, or every month is a different, you know, whether it's a, a you know a, a pop or, or funk whatever you know there's a different theme and you get to choose a drummer to kind of emulate and i really love you know trying to play said song as exactly how that drummer played it yeah like that that's really like stepping out for me and i find that to be a lot of fun so i know what you mean when it's like when you don't feel like you're when you're not playing as yourself yeah it's kind of re rewarding and it really it kind of shows you you know, like, oh, why did not like, why is he playing it like this? You know, yeah. what, that's a weird choice, but I, I dig it, you know, and it kind of makes you want to make those choices in the future when sure. you write songs. It was, it was fun too, because we just did, uh, at least the, well, the last one I did was U2, and I did Vertigo, which I feel that after I did, I, I, I chose like the lamest version of, of U2 to cover. Uh, even though I love that song, that was like not the cool era of, of U2. I wanted, you know, so I recorded it uh, on Ableton and I, I put it to a grid so I could, you know, count off and everything. It starts on the grid, ends on the grid, and I think they did play to a click, but Larry Mullins is like, he's all over the place and not in a bad way. Because obviously yeah. he's, he's doing what he's doing. I'm sure he can play to a click. But it was so interesting because the song doesn't feel like it pushes or pulls that much. But they're dancing around that click like it's he does not care. And it was really fun to play along to it of like, oh, okay, you can still sound like you're right in the pocket, but not be really at all. It was and interesting. You, you got to think with a band like that, a drummer like that, that it's by design as well. Exactly. Which is even more impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this next uh, month that we're doing is, I mean, we haven't really announced it, I guess, uh, online, but it, we're doing like a Secret Santa thing where we're doing, we're covering each other's songs within this indie drum collective. Um, so yeah, that's going to be nerve wracking. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, it's funny because like I recently did, I covered myself and I did a song uh, called Resuscitation from a Dead, of a Dead Man from, from one of our past records. And a almost all of the records Thursday has recorded has not been to a click. There was only one. Oh. That was, every, every song in World of Time is to, to a click, but the rest of the records are free time. So when I was like, oh, I want to cover this song because we never play it. And I just thought it would be fun. And, uh, but I tried to, you know, I have uh, the the yamaha ead 10 which yep. analyzes the song and gives you a tempo and because that song has a lot of different uh you know parts and kind of time shifts like none of it could stay on a grid so it doesn't tempo map it just kind of gives you one tempo for the song so i had to like play it without a click 
to myself. And it's just interesting. Now I, I would be off, you know, I, would be, I tried it a few times and I was off because I was trying to play it in time, but then yeah. realized that I was fluctuating. So I had to like learn how to play as myself from 10 years ago. Oh my God. Yeah. Which was really fun as well, because it was like, I mean, I wouldn't call it fun. It was kind of frustrating, but you know, I ended up doing it. It worked, but it, it was funny to be like, wow, I, I really slowed this part down. I really sped this part up or, you know, a, a lot of like the, you know, the way I kind of started writing with a, with a band, you know, with Thursday was, you know, to a guitar. So I've always kind of written to the guitar lick, never really to the bass. So that's kind of like I've just followed the guitar and that's kind of I think where I got all my strange beats and such, you know, <laughs> from, you, you are from... you are such a good host because you segued into the next person perfectly. So thank you, <laughs> which is Aaron Sterling. And I say you segued because he famously talks about you don't have to listen to the bass because um, I grew up, you know, the bass drum has to be going with what the bass player does. And he was the first person. I don't know what, maybe it was a, a podcast he was on, but he's like, no, your bass drum can do totally something separate. And it, it, it blew my mind. It was like someone, you know, saying something sacrilegious, but um, kind of in the vein of that's kind of the vibe of Aaron. He's like, no, we don't have to do that. Don't overthink it. But um, anyways, yeah. So you, you basically said, and again, I'm reading what you uh, wrote v verbatim, anything Aaron Sterling does on Instagram. Well, let me step back real fast. A couple weeks ago, I was just scrolling through my favorites page on Instagram, you know, like you're saved, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I was looking for the specific Dave Elich uh, lick that I wanted to practice, you know, and I'm mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm going through and I'm noticing like Aaron Sterling, Aaron Sterling, Aaron Sterling, Aaron Sterling, like probably a hundred videos, maybe mm -hmm. not a hundred, but a very large portion of my saved page was Aaron Sterling. So it's, it's like, I, I don't know. There's just something about that dude's playing that I find completely intoxicating. It's, it's weird too. Cause like all speaking of Dave, ever since I actually had my lesson with Dave, um, I don't want to give away all, all of his secrets, but he has a specific way that he suggests to hold the stick. And I'll, there's a lot of stuff about Dave's lessons that I, I still to this day, um, constantly think about but i will like zoom in on people's hands when i'm watching their like they're playing and aaron's technique is so interesting to me because he at any point he's i mean he's like gripping it like an ape and then he's like you know touching it with just the two like the very end uh fulcrums and then he'll be using kind of the tony williams the like the two the the pinky and the ring finger when he goes to the, the crashes like within five seconds, he's used every possible fulcrum you could possibly have on your hands. Yeah. And his playing kind of looks like he's f falling down the stairs in a weird way. Uh, yeah, because it's just very high and the drums seem low to me. Like the snare drum is like down. Yeah. Back day, you, you know, when you used to hit your leg when you played the snare drum and you'd, you'd get like a blood patch. Dude, I was just going to mention that. That's, yeah. I ruined many a pant. Yes. Yeah. Drumming is so glam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll edit that out. People don't want to know that. Yeah. We, we can't, we can't let them in. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so you sent me a specific video from his, uh, his, his masterclass. I want to say Sterloid, Sound of Sterloid. Yeah, that one. It does kind of suck because that video he talks about how to get a big fat snare drum sound without having a big fat snare drum. So I don't want to promote it too much. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> damn well, you, Aaron. Watch the, the blip on on Instagram. So I haven't seen the whole entire video. So. Okay, good, good. <laughs> But uh, yeah, his whole his whole ethos is kind of just don't stress about it. Just make it sound like the way you want. And just that I've I've pulled from that so much in the studio um, and just playing in general, just in my own head about things. And then I have a little Aaron Sterling on my left shoulder being like, dude, who cares? Put a 
yeah. you know, put a pillow on your hi-hat if that's going to make that ding sound go away. It's like, who cares? That and, and, and it's funny that you say that as well, because like speaking of the hi-hat, like his hi-hats always sound so good, however he treats them, because he's he's obviously like, you know, sending really good sounding clips on social media. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like really like pro sounding and like the hi-hat just sounds so good. The snare drum, however wonky it looks, just sounds so great. You know, usually it has like a, you know, a couple of nails and a, and a you know, anything that it's, he seems he can find from his studio he puts on that thing yeah and it's awesome like a chain you know there, it's just, and and the fact that like he mis mix matches his drums he doesn't endorse a certain drum company all this stuff it's like he's the, he's like the dude i wish i was Hey, y'all, I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud. And it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour. And I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye Hey guys, we'll be right back with the show, but I wanted to talk real quick about Waves Audio. I use an endless amount of their plugins, including the Vocal Rider for this podcast, and for my drumming, I use the SSL channel, Abbey Road Saturator, CLA Drums for that easy, quick, polished sound, and, and many, many more. We're an affiliate member, and if this show brings you any sort of value, please kick the please kick. <laughs> please click the link in the show notes to make your next purchase. It supports me directly and helps keep the show going. So, all right, now back to the top five ways to make soup. To go up to, to piggyback off that, how, and maybe this is me, me projecting, but how intertwined is your ability to feel good behind a drum set on that certain day intertwined with your overall happiness for the rest of the day? Like if you, if you play bad, do you walk upstairs and you're just like in a shitty mood? I wouldn't say that I'm in a shitty mood. The way I look at drums and playing every day is something that I do for myself. And and even if I have a shitty day behind the drum kit, sure, it bothers me. But like the fact that, you know, I mean, I, I guess I started playing late. I started playing, like I said, when I was 18. I'm 42 now. So I've been playing for 20 something years. Mm-hmm. And the fact is still to this day, like I still get bummed if I miss a day of playing. Mm means a lot to me and like i have an infant now so it's hard for me to play every day but i try to squeeze in an hour here and there um but there's definitely a noticeable difference on days that i don't play yeah definitely mope around and like kick rocks a little bit when i (laughs) am not able to play but so as far as good days in there and bad days in there it's it's i mean i do get bummed if i'm if i can't execute something that i've been thinking about you know, because usually, like, I lay in bed and I'm like, if, if I can't sleep, I'm thinking about like, what can I try tomorrow that I I wanted to learn? You know, mm-hmm. that I just haven't had time. And you know, sometimes you you know, like I said before, like people's bodies work differently. So sometimes you're not going to be able to ex- execute the 
the Aaron Spears fills that you saw and caught up. You know what I mean? You might be able to do half of one. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, you know, that kind of bums me out when I realize that, you know, I, I, I need to practice more because I've hit my, my ceiling of limitation on something, you know, a certain, certain trick, you know? Yeah. It's so weird. Cause whenever I have a weird day on, on the kit and I, 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 I tell myself to take a day off, that that you know that that next day I do sit on the kit that thing I was trying to work on for an hour that was frustrating me then I can do it within like the first minute and it's yeah. it's it's weird how your brain just needs a day sometimes to settle in and be like we'll get this just you know go for a walk and then you'll be better yeah but um, it's like concentrating on the wrong thing you know what I mean like yeah. you're concentrating on nailing that double in the kick drum when it's really your hands that are fucking the whole thing up yeah you know the double's probably fine. Yeah, <laughs> he's getting a bad rap. Yeah, <laughs> I I think I saw from your videos you have a drum set at your place now, right? Yeah. Do you find? Uh, and again, this is me me projecting. So I have a drum set behind that door, and uh, I do miss the the mental uh, preparedness of driving to your studio and kind of having that like now I'm here. I just drove you know thirty forty minutes to get here. Now I need to practice as opposed to like sitting behind the drum set and they're like, oh, I guess I can make that second cup of tea or the dishes need to be done or there's that thing in the, you know, I need to clean my bathroom or whatever. You know, it's like I miss having the separation of my drum set not at my house. Is that just me or do you? <laughs> no, I, and I, I know what you mean, but I currently don't have that. We, we just bought our house in, in March and we, I was living in Brooklyn prior for, for many, many years. So there was always that issue of it being difficult to play drums, you know, unless mm -hmm. you had a rehearsal space. So yeah. when my wife was like, I want to move and we were looking at houses, I was like, well, I need a detached garage. Like, like that's the only way I'll move. And like, we need to find a house with that. So we were lucky enough to find a house with that. And I built like a room within a room inside of my garage and it's like 110 feet away from my house. So I do physically have to go outside. That's nice. Unlock two doors and go with <laughs> two doors. Two I mean, doors. that's, that's it. But just, but just having those two doors means that it's like very difficult for me to get up and go back outside to go back into the house. Yeah. Especially, I'm on the East Coast, so it's either very hot in the summer or very cold in the winter. So it's like you don't want to go outside when it's super hot, and you don't sure. want to go out super cold. So once I'm in there, I'm in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I, I do. That was like so, some of my best kind of replaying what I did or recording myself and then listening to it on the drive home and be like, oh, my hi-hat is too loud like always ben you know and uh <laughs> so it was uh, i do miss that part but and i get it because there's something about going into your car and listening to it on a sort of surround you know car system that really points out some some unsightly things do you do you have specific things to, i mean talking about influences i guess this is not too much of a tangent do you have things that you really wish you could play that you realize you keep telling yourself you're going to, and you listen back and you're like, dude, you just keep doing the same damn thing. I have, I have, you know, 30, 40, 50 saved you know, like videos on, you know, Instagram, for example, that I'm like, all right, save that because tomorrow you're going to, you're going to work on that. And then I'm getting in the room and I just don't even, and it's like taking a picture of fireworks. It's like, when are you going to ever, every picture sucks. Yeah. That's father you know and it's like I, I i save all these things and they just go and they get dust on them sure but i that's something that i want to do is go back and, and retrace my steps there but yeah uh, i think i answered your question or maybe i totally didn't <laughs> <laughs> well for me it's 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 my right hand i always tell myself that whenever i see a drummer live and the first thing i do to make in my head i'm like oh they could be better is their right hand is just so loud in the hi-hat and yeah. then I, and I listen to myself and I'm like, oh, well, that's you. <laughs> and so that's, yeah, it's so frustrating because it's something I, I consciously tell myself before every show, before every practice, before ever, every session I'm writing. And then I, the, my, my first take back is always like, it's like when you're at the dentist and they're like, open your mouth wide. And you're like, I'm going to keep it, you know, wide this time. And then within two minutes, they're like, Ben, do you want to open yeah, it back yeah. up? And then, oh, crap, another two inches, you know. No, it, it, yeah, I mean, like, definitely, definitely the right hand 
for me as well is I'm, I'm heavy on the symbols and I'm heavy on, on the, on the hi hat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I definitely tried, you know, I've recently tilted symbols a little bit this way and I've kind of tried to, to be a little more nuancy on the hi hat just so I can kind of teach myself that like, Oh, you can still hear it, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like meshing all together to me. doesn't mean that it can't be heard out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely like for me, like my left hand, like being self-taught, I developed a lot of bad habits. Me too. With the left hand, which which I'm 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 now in my forties trying to unlearn and rebuild. You know, and and at the same time, it's like I, I I spent a lot of years being on tour. You know, like out playing these songs every night, and I got really good at playing these songs. Yeah. And when you play live, um, you know, you kind of turn into a basher because you're so pumped on like putting these songs across with like com- complete commitment, you know, like you're all in and you're like, like I said before, your hair standing up, you're just so psyched. People in the audience are psyched and you're just like, you're fucking in it mm-hmm. that you realize when you get home to practice that you've just been pounding every single piece of this drum kit, you know, like whether it be stomping on the hi-hat too hard, like, like you said, or, or like destroying the ride symbol, you know, it's 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 hard to to you know to to swallow. That's that that's how you actually play. Yeah. When you wake home and you're like, oh man, like, dude, there's all this other stuff that I've been missing out on practicing that I that I love about drums. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting, especially with your case, because the bands I play in nowadays, like I play in a uh, Eve Six, and and that band, I mean. That I I play that drummer's parts, um, and those parts have been validated, and so I've tried my hardest to honor those those parts verbatim, and so I've had to form into that, which is still in in my wheelhouse, but I still have to adapt to that. But with you, it's like those are your parts. You've been validated by the masses, you know, because obviously Thursday and is has a very big following, and so I'm I'm curious. It's you, you try and analyze your playing and what you can get better at, but you're like, but I've been validated that this works for what I do. And so it's like, it's hard to be like, I don't want to change too much because that is who I am. And that's what people obviously have responded to in a, in a positive way. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The validation that, that I could get out of it now is, is, is making the engineer smile. Sure. Yeah. You know, like whether it be in the studio or like our, you know, I remember back in the day, like in the early 2000s, and, and like my front of house guy, his name was Jordan. He's like, dude, we got to tape those cymbals. Mm. I'm like, we're not taping the fucking cymbals. I was like, A, it hurts. Yeah. You know, not a lot of give. That's that's kind of why I started playing big cymbals very early on, because there was so much give and warble that it, like hitting them just felt good. You know, it didn't feel like like hitting a, you know, a, a sharp edge to me. Yeah. So like putting tape on the cymbals, to where now I understand why that would be a good thing. Uh, it, it 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 rubbed me the wrong way back then, but now I'm thinking, man, well, there's still a way that I could hit as hard as I can on parts that need to be hit as hard as I can, and the other parts can still be super loud. But maybe I'll just instead of like whoosh, 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 I can I can kind of you know paint the fence on this symbol a little bit, you know, and, sure, and maybe not hit it as hard, but still get the same washy effect. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go to number five. And again, I'm gonna write what you, or read what you said, Nate f-ing Smith. <laughs> so <laughs> let's just go and uh, yeah, Nate Smith. Uh, well, I mean, we can move on. I guess we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> People just know. <laughs> Dude, it's. It, it, I mean, I I think I said it all. Nate fucking Smith. I mean, so so you know Gunner, obviously. I love Gunner. Uh, yeah. Gunner and I and and Jeremy Berman, I think you know Jeremy Berman as well. Q drums, Jeremy mm-hmm. Berman. Uh, we went to this uh, this Zildjian artist hang um, maybe last year. Uh, a lot of great players, like Adam Deitch was there, and uh, yeah, just a lot of great players. And Nate Smith was kind of like the headliner, and it was like fifteen minutes of him just like intoxicating you with with a, a groove just like a single groove with a couple of different nuances in it that like i think the video i sent you was him playing i think it was madison square garden it was just a sound check yeah and, uh, so he's playing this simple simple groove that only he can play that way which if you try to recreate it you just can't i don't care who you are mm-hmm. 
and somebody who's filming, you know, he does this is this simple. It's not even really a fill. It's kind of a wrinkle. And the guy's like, Whoa! you know, and that's just it. That's, yeah. that's, that's to me, that sums up his playing. It's just like, it's just like a celebration of like, dude, this guy is just on another planet. And it's just so crisp too. every, every, every hit is so crisp. And like, like if he's playing like ghost notes, like you can hear them all and they all have space, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just, I don't know. There's just something about that dude that is just, I mean, he's, he blows my mind. <laughs> You know, and I—it's funny. I, I had the chance to see him a couple months, couple months back last year. Actually, uh, we were on tour with Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers, and their bass player Mark uh, was like, "Hey, I'm going to go see—I forget what artist Nate was on tour with." He's like, "They're—I think we were in like Amsterdam." He's like, "Oh, they're playing down the street. Do you want to go?" He's like, "I think I can get spot." And I was like, "Well, if you can't, like, I don't, you know, I, you know." Um, I don't don't push it, you know what I mean. But sure. he, uh, Mark and and my friend Adam Willard, you, you know Adam Willard's yeah. fucking man. He's he the man. Thought, yeah. Like Mark was crying. Like he just said, it was just like so moving. Like the whole experience, like just was just so moving. It was just a band that was just on another level. You know, every yeah. player. And then Adam was, of course, remarking about how just Nate Smith is just just a whole other animal. Well, and you, you were talking about your left hand. He, he's talked about this in a bunch of videos and you can see it in that Madison square garden, uh, thing when he does. And this is also kind of going back to what we're talking about with Aaron Sterling and just how people have weird technique and you're like, it works for you, but I don't know how, whenever he does his like buzz rolls or ghost notes, he does this like kind of like rotation of his left hand. Um, and I don't know of anyone else that's, that does that. And I, I, I've tried to do it and it works because it kind of has this like forward motion, because it almost makes it more delicate because you're you're not just hitting it striking down you're kind of moving forward so it it increases your dynamic range um but it's really cool when a when a player can you know probably subconsciously just develop a sound because he wants to get a sound it's not like he's trying to reinvent the wheel it just totally. works yeah like what like like he found a trick a long time ago mm-hmm. you know just by playing and and that like you said just works and now it's part of his kind of signature thing yeah was it was it Wolfpack that you saw him play with or or that, no. that that they saw him play no it was i forget who the artist was um i can't remember to be honest with you um it's the thing that i'll think about like 45 minutes from now and be <laughs> yeah, like yeah, exactly i got a text <laughs> um yeah because when, when he played with i think fearless flyers that's i think Corey wong from wolfpack plays with that band or there's some kind of relation and that song aces of aces uh is a really cool nate smith beat um it's probably one of the catchiest drum beats i've heard in the last 10 years you could you could, i mean it could just be the drum beat and you'd know it's that song just from what he's doing it's great yeah i i agree nate smith man dude that's that's just that's just it and there's that there's that video of when he drops his stick. I'm sure you've seen it. And the bass player like is trying to hold it, and he's like, "I'm good. Just give me like ten minutes of just impressing people." <laughs> yeah, holding the hi hat with that hand and just like playing. Yeah, like dude, like no one else. Can do that. No, um, and probably other can do it, but just not not musical and and awesome and flawless and smooth like and with swagger. Yeah, I uh, James Gatson was on the show maybe three weeks ago, and he has a similar thing where his right hand, uh, the, how, how he can do those halftime 16th note grooves, and it just, I think it's because my right hand's too heavy. I can be as you know light as possible, but it still just kind of doesn't feel as just in the, you know, leveled as those guys can do it. They can be going a million miles an hour, and it looks like they're hitting it hard, but it just sounds, just, yeah, it just, it works. And it's yeah. annoying and inspiring and and frustrating and I love them so. And that's that's see that's it. It's like all those things that you just said, all those frustrating, annoying feelings. It's like what like shows that you care about. Yeah. The instrument. You know, it's yeah. like 
I love those things because those are the things that kind of drive me personally to like get in the room every day. And like, and like people don't realize who, who, who don't play an instrument or specifically drums. It's like when you practice, you spend a lot of time by yourself in a room that's, you know, some rooms are nicer than others. You know what I mean? Let's, let's, let's not be, um, whatever, but like a lot of them are really dark, dingy, yeah. shitty rooms that you're just in there by yourself like not seeing the sunlight you're just in there just working on stuff and it's it's not very glamorous but 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 to me those are the best that the best times yeah and it it i agree with you because it shows how much you love the instrument because you know people that have seen me play you know if I have a bad day on the drums, like, dude, I saw you kill it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, when I'm in my practice studio, that's like the 95%, not 95% of what I'm doing is me not doing something well, because I'm practicing. You know, it's like, you only see me on my, this is my polished version of myself, you know? But the fact that I go in there day after day and just quote unquote suck because you're learning stuff. Yeah, you do have to pat yourself on the shoulder every once in a while. The fact that you're even practicing anything, you should be stoked on that. Totally. And yeah. like, I don't, about you but but so like i you know i practice in my in my garage and behind me is like a parking lot you know with a bodega and i'm uh, whenever i'm like practicing something i because you you know you can faintly hear the drums from outside of the garage yeah man i you know i I hope you know somebody who's walking by doesn't think that the person in that garage sucks (laughs) yeah on stuff that i can't do Mm -hmm. you know so it's like you you probably sound like garbage you know because you you know you're trying to to beat the end boss of this 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 rhythm or this this beat you know this this fill and uh you know it really does sound like you suck <laughs> i think what people if they were to listen to me they'd be like why don't you focus on one thing for more than 30 seconds how about you do that it is it is fun to uh when when i used to share a lockout with other people and they were very thin walls it is so funny how people practice totally differently just you you can tell someone the way their brain works with how they they they, they practice or don't practice because yeah i think i heard benny greb talk about it one time where it's like if you record yourself and this happens when i you know would usually drive home i'd record 30 minutes of me practicing and it would just be like practicing for 30 seconds and then silence which means i'm sitting on instagram for two minutes and then like you know it's like what's go- oh, okay and then i'll play some lick you know I see some Aaron Sterling video and then I'll try and play it for 40 more seconds and then YouTube. It's just, yeah, it's chaos. And a lot of that sounds also is you like deleting that video and setting, setting up the phone again to refilm. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, we will, I'm going to let you do an honorable mention cause you, uh, this one kind of blew my mind cause I didn't know, uh, Mike Marsh, I'll just, again, I'll say what you said. Also, watching the magic, that is Mike Marsh back in the day with his band, The Agency. Um, so I think I found a clip. I hadn't heard of The Agency. And I think I found a record that came out in 2005 on Spotify. Would that be the same band? I think so. I don't think they had much material. Okay. But this was this was maybe like, I don't know, maybe the year 2000? Because this was... Because he, he played in Dashboard Confessional after that. Now he plays in the Avid Brothers. Uh, but he, it was a three, it's a three-piece band, and he was also singing and playing drums. And he okay. played on the Ayat kit, and I also played an Ayat kit, so I, I felt like a kinship to him mm-hmm. uh, in a way. And it turns out, like, he's a good friend of mine. He's a absolutely fantastic, ripping, ripping drummer. Yes. And... Uh, even like even back then, like he was just he just blew my mind, and it and it kind of made me like not want to play after him. You know, we're very different players as far as like you know. He he just he's he's got all these tricks, you know, and he and he he knows how to use them. Um, you know, but then watching him with Dashboard, you know, because uh, you know Thursday and Dashboard did a, did a bunch of shows together and, and stuff, and just the, the choices that he made in, in that band were just phenomenal. Um, he always played cool kits too. He always had like different stuff. Like I remember he was the first dude I saw with like a subwoofer on the front of his kick drum. It was just mm. like, you know, normally when you see that, you're like, Oh, douchebag. But like, <laughs> not with him. He's like, he can play, you know, he's like a, a ripper. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. And you know, I was, I've seen him, 
from a house show in in with his band the agency in, in the early 2000s to then like last year going to see him at barclays center with the Ava brothers it's just like a, a beautiful thing to watch someone who deserves it so much you know what i mean when you saw him last year did he still have his pink acrylic kit he did and it was beautiful that's what i was saying i was so mad because i saw that at nam two years ago and i was like oh i definitely because i have a tequila sunrise vista light which is the red orange and, and yellow and i want to get that one and i was like well now i can't do it because like he's playing with the avid brothers that's like a whole nother thing and so it's like i can't get a pink drum set now maybe in a few years so damn Dude, it mike he and he's so great he like we caught up last year um when he, when he played that show and you know he was talking about like recording with the avid brothers and like how he you know it, it just he just deserves it all so much you know what i mean like with the you know rick rubin i think actually suggested him when the band was in there recording i think one of their early records he was like oh you know we should call in this dude you know yeah mike mark rick rubin i mean that's <laughs> if he's suggesting you i think then whatever technique you're doing never stop because apparently yeah. it's working <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I uh, I know this isn't the agency, but uh, the song Hands Down by Dashboard, that I remember as a kid, that was kind of my, that was my excuse to work on single stroke and still be in the musical context because he's just going crazy on those hi-hats. And I remember hearing that and that was, gosh, that was what, 2003 maybe? Um, I was in high school and I heard that song. Anyways, it was just a totally... It was still pop punk enough for me to be like, oh, it's fast and, and you know, in your face and energetic, but it was, yeah, it was, it was softer and more mature, and yeah, that that song specifically because he does like these hits on the downbeat. I mean, just listen to the song. I'm sure people know the song hands down, but that the his intertwining between single strokes and then his his uh, control on the hi hat, and he does like different fills every time on the downbeat. Um, yeah, it's just a really interesting player and he's super clean it's super clean and and like you were saying he does stuff that like he made a lot of choices that like are not like the normal choices mm-hmm. and like executes them flawlessly and it's just it's fun to like kind of watch him play and like dissect it and like try to make it applicable to 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 i'll say personally like my stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like i'll try to make it applicable and i just can't do it because only he can do it yeah well, and you, you bring up a good point too. Is the older I get, I, I don't like chops, um, chop quote unquote chops don't impress me as much as choices. If I'm listening to something and for the second verse, it just breaks down like a floor tom on the down. But I would have never thought of that as a listener. I'm driving in my car, just like that is the coolest thing ever. I would have never thought to just, you know, disregard everything I've introduced and do that. When it's really, it's probably the first thing a, a kid learns on, on on the drum set. Eighth notes on a floor tom. Right. It, it blows my mind. But then if you were to sit there, you know, say you were you put yourself in that position, you're writing that song, and you wouldn't make that choice. Because to make that choice, it's kind of like, that would be kind of like the most boring thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? About it, like, thinking about it like that is the selfish way of thinking. You know what I mean? It's like does it serve the song and i don't always serve the song so i'm not i'm not one to preach about that but like i understand what you're saying about like hearing that like when you're listening to to somebody applying that you're like god that's so sick i would have never done that yeah well that's i've also tried to i want to say i've heard in previous interviews that you don't like playing along to music that much like you like you don't yeah me neither and so i've been really trying to force myself to play a song start to finish and not just like oh there's this cool intro and then okay the intro's done next song but actually like you know be a part of the story of the song because there's sometimes that yeah you'll be doing something and then the drummer decides to do this something in the bridge that it's hard to describe but there's like a certain um you know space you want to fill as a drummer and sometimes doing something that on record sounds perfect when you're playing it you're like this feels totally stupid to do this yeah. because it feels like the momentum my body's not moving enough anymore and there's too much space but when you get used to playing songs start to finish you're a little more comfortable in that uneasy space and trusting the other things are kind of kind of kind of fill that absolutely you know, when you're writing by yourself or when you're like you know you're not you know you're 
that descending big long tom fill you're not hearing the reverb and all the cool stuff that happens in the song you know you're only hearing what you're you know the the acoustic version of what you're playing you know exactly don't know you you can't it's hard to 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 think about the end result and the effect that that's going to have in the song you know what i mean because it doesn't sound so cool going around the kit to you yeah but recorded and in the part it's like whoa people always ask me you know because of the self-taught thing it's like oh did you learn by by playing along to songs it was like no i i, I never like I, I would listen to something and be like oh i want to i want to i want to try to play that beat and i would like go to the kit and try to play that beat you know what i mean like it was never something that i did together you know listening and, and playing until recently with the the drummer collective that's this is like a, this is i think why i enjoy it so much um is like this is kind of the first time in my career that i've actually played along to other people's songs besides having to learn you know like like when i filled in and played with yellow card like obviously i had to learn a whole bunch of songs and you know even with frank aero i had to learn a bunch of songs um so this is the first time i'm actually playing along to songs that i don't need to learn for any specific work reason yeah you know for fun and to to cover you know all right well that's uh that's technically the big fat six but uh <laughs> is there any any other uh like musical project you want to you want to do some self-promotion here or, or anything that you can talk about or is a lot of secret stuff happening uh there's a lot of secret stuff happening fortunately because you know it's we're obviously in, in some hard times um but i mean definitely uh, one thing to mention is thursday my my band is doing a, a live stream on december 29th awesome and those are always fun because they're super weird because there's no audience. So it's, it's, you, you, it's, it's a, it's a whole different way of playing because you have to, you know, going back to, to, to nuance, you know, you kind of have to play. I always looked at playing a live show, you know, as I got older, it's like, well, you can't just go ape shit crazy, you know, because the, the first couple rows are going ape shit crazy. You know, you got to play for the people that are in the back that are, mm-hmm. you know, Maybe the, the, the girlfriend brought her boyfriend and he's not a fan or the boyfriend brought the girlfriend, you know, vice versa, whatever. Sure. You know, you got to you got to you got to impress the back of the room as well. So so for a live stream, I feel like everybody's in the back of the room. So you kind of have to you have to do, you know, the thing that you do, but do it better than you normally would, because it's it's kind of the kind of thing that you can you're, you're sitting on your couch watching. So it's very surgical. It's an it's another interesting wrinkle in 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 the uh, the struggle of the the uh, modern musician. It's kind of timeless when you're when you're live because if someone's recording some you know phone video, it's they're not going to be able to really tell if you mess up. But if it's like a high quality thing, you're like, oh no, they can tell now. <laughs> Dave, I'm watching I'm watching Tucker right now, and he's not his posture's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, he looks like a hunchback, and you know, <laughs> You can see the cartilage building up in the yeah, yeah, he's tense. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he he like felt my arm and like squeezed it so hard, and I was like, "Oh, that hurts." He's like, "Yeah, you're gonna have to get that worked on." I wanted to mention that because I, I I have a joke, and again, this comes out of love from Dave because, again, I think he's amazing. But uh, what you're saying is, I I, I I jokingly say that he's like Dave Felich because <laughs> like. <laughs> because yeah like it wasn't in a weird way but he's like just feel your feel your quads you know when you're like playing your bass drum you know and yeah he really gets in there and he's like oh yeah that's tense and it was yeah it just <laughs> dave felich dave felich and you know what like <laughs> i'll be a repeat offender with that dude he's totally he's, he's just on a you know he's on a different level and he's another one of those dudes that it's not not only just brilliant you know teacher but like he's another one of those dudes that half my feed is just saved videos of him dude we're, we're just so fortunate to be able to, to to play the instrument that we do like i you know a bunch of the dudes in my bands are always so jealous of the community that drummers have you know that there's a, there's a mutual respect and we actually learn from each other you know, i mean there are a lot of dickheads out there that like you know especially if you're like you know you're looking at a big a, a big instagram page you know and and somebody gets featured and there's a lot of people that talk shit about you know oh this person sucks like anybody can get you know like why oh, can't yeah. i get like it's not what it's all about you know like we're it's just such a cool community to be a part of you know we're lucky to be drummers 
And we were, I was talking to my roommate last night about it, um, just like competition, because I forget, I'm trying to think of the context. Oh, it was, it was uh, Olympics, because he was, he was like a track athlete, and we we're talking about just going to the Olympics and how, you know, you try your whole life and you have to be number one. Because even if you get bronze medal at the Olympics, like people know Michael Phelps, but do you know who won second and third place on any of those? No. And if yeah. you're an Olympic athlete, you're here and you have a gold, uh, silver medal, I'm sorry. But, you know, that's just the truth of it. But when it comes to drumming, I'm not a competitive person. And that's why drumming is so good. Because even if you're at the, the top of your game, two guys at the top of their game play the same beat, drastically different. It's not like you can say, oh, I'm number one at drums, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we're so supportive. Because maybe with, with guitarists and if you have the same, you know, guitar and same pedals there is nuance but it's not as nuanced as you know you could play an opening riff but if a drummer played an opening beat there's more difference in that if that makes sense so there's no reason to be competitive because we're never i'm never going to be the same as you dude i know 30 or 40 drummers that are just friends of mine that fucking smoke me they have never played a show Mm -hmm. you know never never gotten out of the garage you know what i mean and that and that's that's it's just crazy to, you know, we're just lucky. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? We're lucky to be in the position that we are and, and have, have people be able to teach us shit and, and be able to, like, take it. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, I guess I guess that's that's it. I do want to about the big fat snare drums, though. And I, they, not only are they amazing, and I'm not even trying to say this as, like, a product placement thing, but if, like, sure. if, if anybody owns the Yamaha EAD-10, the best thing you can do is get a big fat snare drum for your snare drum because it literally makes the whole kit sound even and you can make the sickest demos with that coupled with that snare drum uh, the big fat snare drum it's like and oh, i dude. also that snare drum because like when i practice it's you're you're not getting a lot of a lot of the bounce that you you, you normally get from just the regular snare hit so i feel like it and you hear a lot of the things the subtleties that you're doing wrong yes <laughs> with so weird plug, weird flex right there. <laughs> no, that's good. No, thank you for the flex. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I, I with this with this podcast, I don't talk about it enough because I didn't want to. I don't want it to be like a. The only reason you're listening to this is for us to plug the stuff. So I try and loosely get it in there sometimes. Uh, but thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. Un- unpaid, unpaid <laughs> advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for being on the show, Tucker, and I really appreciate it, man. Dude, likewise. I, thanks again for thinking of me. I appreciate it. All right. Peace. And that's the show. Be sure to check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BigFatSnareDrum. The audio you're hearing was edited in part by Isotope RX8 Audio Editor. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Cheers.